Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness to pray and to rest before he began his public ministry. This year during Lent, join Pastor Hook to pray and rest as we learn about our calling to be a life-changing connection to Christ in our world. So we are in episode 16 of our study, Life-Changing Connection. And this is a study to look at various Bible verses to pray for God's wisdom and guidance as we move out of this pandemic and into launching our church in November. And we've been spending a little bit of time on Paul's direction in Ephesians, and we will spend most of today in Ephesians to look at that. And I just I just want to um, just look at that briefly. This is the verse that we're looking at. It's Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, and it reads like this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the way I read this is that the structure that Paul looked at uh, and it, it could be just a casual structure that he's just saying, well, you know, I look around and I see apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And what's the purpose of all those gifts that, that Christ has given to the church? Well, it is to reach maturity and unity and faith, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And we talked about how our faith is like a root system and we want it to grow stronger and bigger and deeper and more resilient so that our tree... Uh, our lives can be stronger, deeper, more resilient to the problems of life. Okay, so um, that I that I believe. But there have been other people that have looked at these these classifications of people. It's it's interesting in the early church. Paul also writes about elders, and um, later there's deacons, there's presbyters, there's um, there's a, another set of structures that happen, but. In this particular in this particular verse or set of verses, Paul talks about um, an interesting set of people. And the reason why I say it's interesting is people have looked at this and have said, you know, there's a really close parallel here to the way the world operates. I mean, and just just take a look at these classifications once more, because if you if you look at them. Uh, in a certain way, you can kind of see an order to it. So first of all, um, just take a look at the idea that there's apostles. And the word apostello means to send or to go out, to investigate, to be out into the world. This is, if you're in a tribe in the Aborigines, right? An apostle would be somebody who leaves the tribe of the Aborigine and tries to find something else about the world. He's sent out into the world. A prophet is someone who is closely connected to the Word of God. Remember the Old Testament prophets. They, they spent all their time, not all their time, but a good chunk of their time. Maybe, maybe it was all their time. They spent their, all their time in the presence of God and in prayer, studying God's Word, listening to God, and trying to discern what God would believe about a certain situation. An evangelist is somebody who spreads the good news. Evangelium means good news. A shepherd is one who cares for somebody, and a teacher is somebody who teaches. Um, and as I look at this list, I just I, I want to spend today just kind of explaining why I believe this list is important. As I've said before, 
every Christian who is um, not being a student. So we do have students, right? We have Christians who are learning what it means to walk the way of Jesus. Those are called students or neophytes or people who are sprouts in our little uh, discipleship life cycle. They're people that are, they are the children of Christian parents because the parents are teaching the children how to live their life. They are the, they are the, the students who are older, who are trying to learn, who are, who are just learning about Jesus and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Those are the students. The teachers are those that are teaching the, the words of Jesus to a student. Um, it could be parents. It could be anybody who's trying to propagate the Christian faith to anybody else. And as I've said many times, after you're no longer a neophyte, after your roots have been established and you're now into the world, at some level, you are a teacher. Because at some level, you've heard the word of Jesus, the stories of Jesus, and you've applied it in your own life. What does it mean to you? We're going to talk on Sunday about the miracles of Jesus. And um, it, they were there to prove that he was God. And those miracles of Jesus... Uh, some of them strike me very, very strongly, and I have an opinion and a reaction. I should probably send, uh, you know, talk about those this Sunday, about what what those miracles mean to me and how they affect me, and whether or not I've seen any miracles or whether or not I've seen other people have any miracles. I mean, all that stuff is at some level teaching, and so if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, at some level, you are going to teach the words of Jesus to somebody else. Now, um, we can also have professional teachers. We could have uh, the head of the household in the old Jewish culture. He would go to the synagogue and he would be taught and then he would come back to his household and he would teach. And so he would teach the whole entire, he was designated as the teacher in the household. That is what a teacher does. A teacher applies the words and the eternal truths of God to um, to life. He just teaches these things and explains them and makes them real. There's an old adage about preachers who are also teachers that you should have a newspaper in one hand and you should have God's word in the other hand. And the job of a good teacher or preacher is to con- connect those two dots and oftentimes we fail as preachers, I fail as a preacher, when I don't connect the two dots. And sometimes I don't connect the two dots because I'm not sure how it would be. Um, it's uh, in preaching, you might say something publicly that's going to affect somebody radically different, however they're coming from in life. And so some of those teachings are really one-on-one. And those teachings are better done on a one-on-one basis because you know what that person's situation is and what God's word says about that situation. And when you say something, it could be very, very, very difficult for them to hear. And that those types of teachings are better done one-on-one. But when you're preaching and going through the whole uh, economy of God or going through the whole, you know, the whole scripture of God, that 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 those teachings probably are are more general and are more broad-based in their application to the people that are listening. And a good preacher 
tries to balance all of that. And I, I wouldn't say I'm a great preacher. I would say I'm still kind of working on that because it because I don't know what everybody's situation is, and I and I just I just try to do as best as God has called me to do. But there are some preachers that I think are phenomenal at this. Anyway, that's but preaching and teaching is is declaring what God says in His Word, the stories of God, God, the parables of God, the teachings of God, the life of God, the whole counsel of God that's that's in Scripture being being taught to people. And then there's another role called a shepherd, or you might say that's a pastor. The, the word is poimenas. It's, it's basically the shepherd of sheep. And the shepherd is a little bit different than a teacher. If a teacher is teaching the word of God, remember they, they gathered together for the apostles' teaching and for fellowship, prayer, breaking of bread, and, and giving as God had given them to give to other people. Sometimes the teachings of the word of God can be difficult, Sometimes people are going through trials and tribulations in their life that are difficult. And the shepherd walks alongside a person and helps them see the teachings of God and their life in a caring, loving, compassionate, shepherding way to help, get, to help them get through the trials of life. The trials of life might be Oh, you know, the loss of a job or sickness or the death of a loved one or, you know, or it could even be mild things like um, like just understand, you know, where you read in Scripture that God says something and all of a sudden you've come to the conviction that you need to make a change in your life because of what God says. I mean, it's like a realization that hits you like a, like a bat over the back of the head or a two by four over the back of the head. And, and it's like, man, I really need to work on this in my life. God has called me to work on this, but it's hard. And so a pastor is somebody that comes along aside, beside you and helps you in these things. And a good pastor is someone who recognizes that somebody is going through a tribulation and walks beside them. And as I've mentioned hopefully I've mentioned many times, is that I cannot be the only pastor in the world. The world has too many problems for it just to be to me. And I honestly think that that alone is probably the reason why there is, an, over the last 200 years, there has been a surgence of professional counselors because we somehow in the Western church have said the only person that can do pastoral care is a pastor. And when I read this Paul's classification of 411, he does not he is not talking necessarily to that that shepherd that the pastor role is only pastors. All these roles that he's talking about are people in a congregation or a group of people. If you were to look at a group of people and do a test about each one of these things, you might see that some people are gifted in teaching, some people are good at uh, shepherding, some people are good at evangelizing, some good at prophesying, and some are good at the, the apostle work. And that God has gifted his church with all of these gifts, and we don't have to professionalize these gifts. And, and the moment that we professionalize these gifts, I believe, is the moment that the church begins to fail. Like if the only person that could teach God's word would be a professional teacher, then how would we teach in a household? 
because the that in a household the number one teachers of kids are the parents right or the grandparents or something like or even elder brothers and sisters could be teaching to the younger brothers and sisters we know that teachers extend vast beyond the professional teacher but somehow the church always wants to professionalize these things and say well only people who have their teaching certificate can be a teacher and only people who have their Master divinity can be a shepherd and evangelist and prophets, but it, but if you look at the classifications here, it really does extend far beyond the professional classification of people in the church. So Christ has given us teachers, not professional teachers, but just people who share the stories of Jesus and shepherds. Those are people that walk along beside people, loving them, giving them compassion, and it is a vast majority of people uh, much more, much more people in a congregation than just the pastor, the one we call pastors. And the Lutheran Church knows this. We, when I was called to be the pastor of Christ Lutheran Vale, I the, my call documents say the office of public ministry. I'm called to the office of public ministry, which encompasses all of these gifts. And I do some of these very well, and I do some of these very, very poorly. And my job isn't to make sure I do all of them very well and do all of this work to everybody in the congregation. That doesn't go very far. But to equip the saints for the work of God so that we all might become spiritually mature. My role is to help find people who are pastorals, people who can teach, people who are evangelists, prophets and and apostles, and, and, and activate them so that they can use their gifts in the church. And I'll just say this. If you are... A, if you are doing the Jesus form of discipleship, this is a, this is a deviation from, from this list, but earlier we talked about how Jesus didn't call together a congregation. He called together 12 men, and he discipled them for three years. Jesus had all these gifts, apostleship, prof, prophecy, evangelism, sh- sh- shepherding, teaching. Jesus was very, very, very good at these gifts. If you have all these gifts and you are very, very good at them, you could actually, in a small group or in your family or in, um, you know, you could call 12 people and have them come around you for 12, for three years, and you could teach discipleship one-on-one by leverage because of the fact that you have all these gifts. But if you don't have all these gifts, that Paul says that some have these gifts and some don't, then if you're going to organize as a church, then you leverage these gifts in the church. So we've talked about teachers. We've talked about shepherds. Um, I'll go back up to the, t- the top, which is apostles. The apostle is somebody who, as I've said, who is sent out into the world. We read a book uh, in the staff oh, about three or four years ago called Healthy Staffing for Vital Churches. Or was it Vital Staffing for Healthy Churches? I can't remember. But one of the things that it says that the church needs to do or to be is to have somebody. And it it could be the pastor, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the pastor. But it's somebody who has that gift to look out into the world and say, this is what the world is struggling with. Like, these are the issues they're struggling with. And these are the ones that we should address. And... Maybe it is addressed on Sunday morning in a sermon. If it's kind of a general address that everybody would react pretty much the same way. But if it's something that 
is really sensitive or difficult or would only apply to a small subsect of people, subsection of people, maybe that kind of teaching is done better in a small group or done one-on-one because you almost have to see how people's faces are when they react to these types of things and, and listen to their body language and and understand, you know, are you understanding what I'm saying here? Um, and, and so an apostle is someone who is very, very effective at going out into the world and finding out um, what the world is struggling with. Like what, what really is, is that issue here? What are, what are the things? Like right now, we know that everybody is struggling from the pandemic. That one's an easy one. We also know that people are struggling with loneliness, with isolation. We know that people are not trusting sources of information, that, that people are politicizing information for their own political power. I mean, the list, because of this pandemic, the list goes on and on. And I do try to tie these things into a sermon series or a message series so that it kind of helps meet people where they are. But there's a lot more that could be done. I mean, people are right now are struggling with so many things. I've got a list 100 miles long that people that, you know, I might get to in a year or two or three years. And so maybe it's better, um, you know, to, to, to do the teaching and, you know, have more people teaching, you know, just to get into people's lives more than just, you know, Sunday morning. And that's why I'm so grateful for this podcast because I'm able to reach, you know, I'm able to go through my list of things a lot quicker but there's things that I may be missing or there's things that because there are people that they just can go out in the world and say, you know, this is what people are struggling with and this is what they need answers to. And and so this book, this healthy staffing book, it says you should really have you should find people in your congregation that are really tuned in to what culture is saying. You should listen to them and have them help you figure out what their people are struggling with, and then you should address those issues. Maybe not on Sunday morning, but somehow you should address those issues. And a church that really, really goes and addresses those issues in a real tangible way that speaks to people's hearts, um, it's unstoppable because people, people crave answers to what is God saying about these things. And it can't just be me, right? I mean. Obviously, I'm going to miss some of these things, but also I I can't do everything, right? The whole purpose of a church is to leverage everybody's gifts. My role is in the office of public ministry is to help find people's gifts and leverage these gifts to move forward. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, you know, in this 40 days of Lent is because I I don't think I realized this very well the first five, 10 years of ministry. And it has only been over the last five years, maybe three to five years, that God has really laid it on my heart that somehow I need to do a better job, our congregation needs to do a better job of leveraging what people's gifts are so that we can, so it, it doesn't funnel into one person. Like we need to create systems and structures and things of, so that I am not the only one that does all five of these gifts. Because if it's just me, then I can surround myself with maybe about 12 people and their families. That that would be a, a church, you know, of about 35. And that and that would be about it. And um, there's nothing wrong with that except that if it's just me, then how do we continue to grow the church 
in our world. And plus, God's called us to veil, and we have a lot of people in veil that are struggling with things that we need to address those issues and figure out what is the, what are the biblical teachings that these people need to hear. And then after they hear them, how do we how do we find people to walk alongside them so that so that they're loved and cared for and there's compassion and that sort of thing? Um, so that's the that's the apostolic role. Now the prophet role is really interesting also because um, we know what a prophet is. A prophet in the Old Testament was somebody who spent time with God, listening to the Word of God, and really tried to discern what God would say. And so a king would come to a prophet and they'd say, "I'm thinking about." teaming with the Assyrians so that we can fight together. And the, and the prophet would say, yeah, I think God is okay with that. Or the prophet would say, no, God is not okay with that. You shouldn't do it. Uh, you shouldn't team up with the Babylonian empire. You shouldn't, um, you, you should watch out for the poor people. You know, prophets also uh, would go to a leader or a king and say, you're, you're not looking out for the poor in your community. That's what Amos did. He prophesied against the rich because they weren't looking out for the poor. And so he has his whole, the whole book of Amos is, is really about that, these, these uh, curses from the, from the book of Amos. A prophet, basically, the reason why we call it a prophecy is because it looks into the future and says, um, if you do what you're planning to do, this is, this is the result of what God is going to do. God's either going to bless it or God's going to bring down his judgment upon it. And, and so you really, really needed people that were tuned into the Word of God, that, that had that gift of prophecy. Now, do we have the gift of prophecy today? Well, that is, that is a very good question because in the book of Hebrews, it, it has just this fascinating verse in the book of Hebrews. This is Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And so the fulfillment, if, if you read Hebrews properly, the fulfillment of all God's prophecies from the Old Testament were fulfilled in Jesus. In the Old, in the Old Testament, he would speak through the prophets, but then he brought Jesus into the world. And now the words of Jesus are the definitive words of God. And we have the words of Jesus because we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we see what God looked like, how Jesus talked, the actions he did, the things that he said. But you could also say, that because Paul is talking about these are gifts of the church. It's like So even at the time of Paul, there were gifts of prophecy. And, and we do have where well, Paul talks about a prophet in in. Uh, in the book of Acts, he says there's a prophet, a prophet, a prophet that you should listen to, a prophetess that you should listen to. Um, so Paul saw prophecy not only being fulfilled by the words of Jesus, but there were people who would spend time reflecting on the words of God, the Old Testament, the words of Jesus, the New Testament, and understand God's heart. And so that if a person wanted to know, will God bless this action or not, they might go to a prophet or a prophetess and say, what do you think about this? Would God bless this? And the prophet or prophet, you know, the prophetess or the prophet would, based upon his prayer and his time with God and his understanding of scripture and understanding of words of Jesus, say, yeah, God, this is something God would bless or say, no, you want to stay away from this. 
Now, the thing is, is that no prophet is perfect. And so, and there's false prophets. <laughs> and so you have to really, in the New Testament, you have to, you have to say from this prophet, okay, show me in the word of God where this is either allowed or not allowed. And the church, a lot of times does things or says things that are the word, you know, that say this is what God would bless or this is something that God wouldn't bless. But if you start digging deeply and go into the word of God, it's under a term called adiaphora. And what adiaphora means is that God neither commands it or forbids it. It is, it is basically something that mankind has come up with. But we've done it for so long that we think that it's in the Bible. But it truly isn't in the Bible. And so a good prophet is not only one who understands the heart of God, but at some point they also understand enough of Scripture or the whole counsel of Scripture that they can say, you know, that's not really in Scripture. God does not command or forbid what you're talking about. Um, so if you want to if you want to purchase property to build a church, um, the, the God doesn't say in Scripture, yes, you can build property or you, you know, all these things. I mean, there's there's just a lot of stuff that churches do that are really neither commanded nor forbidden by by Scripture. And I'll just really quickly go to the last one, which is uh, so we talked about apostles, we've talked about prophets, shepherds, and teachers. The last one's evangelist, which is a, someone who portrays good news. I mean, I think if a prophet, if, if an evangelist says, this is what we need to, this is really the message that we have to tell people. This is, this is what they're struggling with. And, and you've talked to the prophet and the prophet says, yeah, you know, this, God would be blessed if we did this particular teaching or this particular program or we did this particular ministry. Then you, you know, you put some legs around it. You develop a business plan, I guess you could say. We develop a ministry plan. We say, these are all the things we're going to do. And then we, then we launch, right? Now we need now we need people just to promote what it is that, that we're going to do as a congregation and and uh, and help. An evangelist is somebody just cheery all the time. I think of an evangelist as like a salesman. <laughs> uh, I have a really, really good friend, pastor friend, actually, and he could sell ice cubes to an Eskimo. He was that good of a salesman. I'm not a very good salesman at all. My brother's a good salesman. It's his, it is, it's his job. He sell, sells well, and people just love to buy things from him. He's, he's a very good salesman. Um, he has the gift of evangelism. That's totally his gift. If you said to my brother and say, hey, listen, we want to do this program, go out into the community and let people know that we've got good news about Jesus, you know, through the words of this whatever particular thing, he'd be all over it like a bee on honey. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm all over it. And you know those people. They just, they just, they get so excited about things like that. And, um, and so um, that's Paul's classification, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And so I want to tie this all together tomorrow and then get off of this topic. But tomorrow you have to, this, this is a two-part thing. So you have to listen to this part, which is part 16, and you have to listen to part 17 to wrap it up because I don't have time to wrap it up today. But um, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Dear God, thank you for um, giving us your gifts so that we can leverage each other's gifts to build up the body of Christ so that we may be mature, so that we may be good disciples in the world. This we pray in your name. Amen. All right, so thank you for joining me.
And I pray God richly blesses you for the rest of the day. We will get together tomorrow, and we'll see you later. Take care. Bye.